Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. This is a time right now. This is a time to have joy. We have joy because we have a Savior that was born. We are about to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is such a joy to be able to celebrate what he's done for us and who he is and then what he's going to do and later on after 33 years of being walking this earth with us. So what a joy it is in this Christmas season as we are about to go into like full-blown Christmas festivities if you haven't already had them. But as we walk into this Christmas season, what a joy it is. God, we thank you so much that you that you sent your son to us lord we thank you so much that we can have joy in this season lord that that god there are people here where it may be hard to find joy right now but god we can stand in in the knowing of who you are and that you are good that you are good lord and that you see humanity that you see each and every person lord we thank you lord and god i pray right now those that are struggling during this time, for those that that it may not seem so joyful, God, I pray that you would remind them of who you are and the joy that only comes from you in trying times, the joy that only you give, Lord, the pure joy. God, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated. Merry Christmas. I don't think we've actually said that to you yet, so that's because Ryan and Nathan are not allowed to do announcements together ever again. (laughs) It was torture watching it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You guys are fired. (laughs) No, you guys did a good job, kind of. Um, Ryan can be very awkward, and so when he doesn't know things to say, he just stares. And so, um, no, you guys did a good job. Um, But... Since they did not say Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Can you believe that it's only, what, four day, five days away? Isn't that six days away? I can't do math. That's the reason why I don't homeschool my children. <laughs> um, but it just it seems so crazy to think that it's so close. Like where we were talking earlier um, this last week of where just where did time go? Seriously, this year has just flown right by. And um, so, but today we're going to continue our series about um, the five love languages. If you have not before, um, or if you didn't know, we are in the five love languages, and um, you can listen to all of those online. But um, today, and we have uh, next week, we'll be wrapping up the five love languages. So this is number four. I can count to five. I can do that. Um, But number four is today, and um, today we're going to be talking about physical touch. And this is a love language that is literally not me. Like, this is literally the opposite of of who I am. And I think Ryan said that. He said that my love languages were 
um, gifts and quality time. So bring me all the gifts, but don't touch me. And so it's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure that Ryan has even said, we're lucky we have children because it is so much not my, my love language. And, but that's okay, you know, because everybody is different. Um, everybody is, has their own, their own personal preferences. And I like, I've, I've actually gotten better over the years. Um, I actually do give hugs every now and then, um, but it's just not something I, I think about. It's actually like, you know, Ryan's is such, is so like he loves to be, uh, feel loved and his is such physical touch. And then, you know, we get up in the morning and the kids like, they just climb all over me and they're sitting on me and I'm trying to drink my coffee. They spilled it on me like 50 times and I'm like, get off of me. And Ryan's like, come to daddy, please. And you know, they're like, no, we don't want daddy. And he just gets his feelings hurt, but that's okay because that is his love language and that's who he is Um, but it's not just like a sensual thing when you think about physical touch you may think of it being a sensual thing but it's not just that it's just the the fact of a feeling loved like if just knowing that that person is there holding their hand or giving them a hug or just allowing yourself to kind of go out of your way and um, it's hard sometimes but you know that's where when you have um, a spouse or when you have even friends understanding your friends love languages helps you um, understand that relationship a little bit better and so um, that's it's all about understanding those people that you love even your children like I've been thinking about my kids you know Peyton's is taken after his dad he is a cuddle monster and at this age you know I don't mind I welcome it he's three but when he's 14 or 15 I'm not sure I'm gonna welcome that <laughs> sitting on my lap while I'm trying to drink coffee but when you get to when you get to know each other's love languages whether it be your children your spouse or a friend then you get to to know that person a little bit better and so that's why we're kind of going we're going through the love languages of of what we would think that the love languages of God to us and so how does physical touch apply how does it apply to our relationship with God and how does it how does God look at us you know through that physical touch and and um and so how do we perceive physical touch in the story of Jesus because, like I said, we're in the Christmas season. We, we, um, we're doing all things Christmas, you know, looking at lights and baking and, and all of that. I was talking to someone this morning about baking, you know, if we have any traditions and, and all of that with our, um, as we have traditions with our families and whether that's looking at lights or reading the Christmas story before you open presents or opening presents on New, uh, Christmas Eve, whatever that may be. But it is fully fully upon us and and we are just six days away from it and so how do we apply the physical touch love language in the aspect of the story of Jesus and the first thing that I want us to look at today is that God is a physical God God is a physical God and what I mean by that is when we talk about God, we might not ne- necessarily think that he is such a physical but God, but the Bible actually proves us wrong, that he is a physical God, that he is a God that likes to be involved in our lives, and he likes to, to physically touch us. Maybe not like in a sense of, you know, like being a human being because God's not, um, and uh, he was a person through Jesus Christ, but, you know, we, we sense God, we feel God, and sometimes we 
we can feel his touch, obviously, because that's who he is. But he is a physical God. It's the reality of who he is. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord formed man, formed the man from dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So this is, in, this is Genesis. This is at the very beginning. The very beginning of, of, of God, the very beginning of who we have, um, get a, a glimpse of who God is. If you, don't, if you have not read Genesis, please go read it. Or if you have read it, read it again because it is such an amazing, you really get to know how powerful God is. But so as we, as we read this, we know that God created everything. We, get, we go through the Genesis 1 and said God spoke. He spoke. He said this. He said that. Light was created. You know, he separated darkness from light. He created land. He created the animals. So in, in Genesis 1 and part of Genesis 2, we see that how God created was he spoke. He said it. He said the word and it was there. You know, can you, can you imagine that? Just saying the word. Man, like that is such, so amazing just to say, man, I want, you know, chai tea latte. And bam, it's there. You know? And, or, man, I want a, a, a steak. And bam, it's there. Well done. Because rare steak is disgusting. I'm sorry. I can't. I know everybody's going to stone me. Ryan's like, you're not a human being if you can't eat rare steak. And so, but... I like, I'm like, I can't do the blood. Um, but anyways, you know, just speaking something there, and it's there. It's just, it's just there. He created it by just his words. But yet we see in Genesis 2, 7, he formed. It says he formed man from dust. He formed him, and then he breathed life into him. If that's not physical, I don't know what else is. Because what do, what do you do? The, the Bible describes God as um, the potter and we're the clay, right? What do you have to do when you are, are um, creating something out of clay? You have to touch it. You have to, you have to continually form it. You have to get the rough edges off. And, and, and God's still working on some of those rough ed- edges. Amen? Amen. But you have to get those rough edges off. You have to form it. And it says that God... That the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So God formed him, and he became living. That is a physical God. Forming something is something that you do with your hands. It's something that is physical. It's something that takes place that's physical. God is a physical God. So if we know that he spoke everything and everything that, and all he has to do is speak, he could have just spoke, Adam, be created. You know, he could have just spoke that. He could have said, woman, whoa, man. You know, like everyone's like, why did they name him woman? Why is it a woman? Whoa, man, be created. You know, but no, he's a physical God. He literally took a piece out of Adam's rib and formed and created Eve. And so he, he, he put, and he wanted to make, he put a little bit more thought in it, and he wanted to make it special. Why? Because we're special to him. We're his creation. Everything is his creation. But not everything was formed from the dust. Everything actually was just formed from being spoken to. But with us, 
it was more intentional. With us, it was breathing God himself, breathing life into us. He is a physical God. And he wants to be involved in our lives in a physical way. And I think that the story of Jesus being born is such proof of that. That he wants to be in our lives in a physical way because he is a physical God. In John 1.14 it says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we see his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what does this mean? This means that Jesus, who we celebrate the birth of Jesus every, every year, that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. It's hard to understand. It, it can be mind-blowing when we understand that he's fully God and he's fully man, but he's fully God because God sent him to us. John, uh, John 3.16, most of us can, can know it by heart or can quote it. For God so loved the world, you'll catch on, that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So Jesus, fully God and fully human, Jesus was fully human. He came to us as a little tiny baby. And we've talked about that. You know, I was reading um, last night, actually, about um, Mary's perspective. And when you think about Mary's perspective, um, it's, it's mind-blowing. Number one, Mary, she had to have such a gentle, teachable spirit about her. Because to have something put on her out of this world that no one's ever heard of, before she was even, she was engaged to Joseph. She'd never been with a man. She'd never been with anybody. You know, and, and so she, all of a sudden this angel comes to her and tells her, hey, you're going to have the son of God. And he's going to save the world. And she's like, okay. Like, what? <laughs> you know, I would have been like, really? Like, are you sure it's me? You know, like, you don't want to double check that. But she was so humble and she knew who her God was because she spent time with him that she was like, okay, I'm ready for this. And she, I'm sure she probably wasn't ready for it, the severity of that, what it was, because you don't just, back then, you don't just have a baby unwed. Like, you get shunned. And like, he... Joseph wanted to divorce her, and he was debating on what he should do. So it wasn't like, oh, Mary just, you know, she's going to have a baby. Yay, you know, party. No, it was, okay, she's going to have a baby, but she could lose literally everything in her life. Literally everything. Because God asked her to do something. What, like, how mind-blowing is that? The cost of following God the cost of following Jesus, she was ready for it. She said, okay, God, have your way. And so we understand that um, the story of Jesus and, and we understand that Mary, you know, she had Jesus. And, and so we get that, this, that, that he's fully God and he's fully human. And, and we know that God is a physical God because of this. We know that, that God, he knew, God knew that, that the world would need Jesus. 
He knew that. And he knew that the world would need him in a human form. He knew that Jesus had to come in a human form. And he knew that before the beginning of time. He knew that before he even created Adam and Eve. Because God sees all, he knows all, but yet he's still good and he still did it. He knew the fall was going to happen. He knew that Jesus would come. And, and waiting for so long for a Savior. These people, the Israelites waited so long, a thousand, a thousand years. They, they waited so long for the Savior. Can you imagine that? Some of us, how many of you guys have been praying and God still hasn't answered prayers? Right? Like, yes, I'm, I'm, both my hands are up because, yeah, we, I mean, years and years and years of praying. And, and these people, they just prayed and prayed and prayed, but God never forgot them. He never abandoned them. He never forgot them. He had a plan from the very, very beginning, and that plan was Jesus. So God is a physical God. He's a physical God because he gave us a Savior in a human form, someone that, that we could relate to, someone that, that, that you know, um, had problems, someone that had to find somewhere to sleep, someone that had to find things to eat. Someone, you know, like God, we, we, when we think about Jesus, you know, sometimes we forget that he was human, that he did get thirsty, you know, that, that he did have human needs. He did probably have rashes or, you know, um, he needed shoes. You know, it's like, could he have said, hey, God, give me shoes. Bam. You know, he's got a pair of Nikes or Jordans on. Yes, he could have done that, but he didn't. He, he needed the things that he needed clothes. He needed the, the things that we need, too, because he was human, right? So he had these human desire or not desires. He was, he was sinless, but he had these earthly needs that we all need. And so we can relate to Jesus and we can relate to God because God sent us Jesus in a physical form. And so it's, God is a physical God. It's in its nature. It's who he is. He's a hands-on father. God is a hands-on father. You know, we, we say many times in scripture that we call out Abba Father. It's a, it's a form of such a deep a, a deep um, relationship with your father, whether you've had a good father or a bad father. The Bible calls God Abba Father. He's a hands-on father. He had a plan from the very beginning because he's a physical God. The second thing that I want us to take away, the second thought that I want us to take away today is God's physical touch for us is in the form of Jesus. And so this all leads in together. God is a physical God. And then God's physical touch for us in the form of Jesus. And in 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6, it reads, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the, name, the man, Jesus Christ. So there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Remember how we talked about those prayers that aren't being answered quite yet? At just the right time, they will be. And, and I know that there are times where I'm like, man, it's not just the right time. Like, God, why didn't, weren't you, why didn't you show up at this time when I asked you? I don't know why God does what he does sometimes. I don't know. Sometimes I question 
A lot of times I question, God, why didn't you show up here? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you heal this person? Why did you heal this person and not this person? Why did you provide for this person and not this person? You know, I don't know why God does what he does, but I do know that he is sovereign. And I do know that he is good. And I do know that he has a plan. Because he's had a plan from the very beginning. And even when it hurts, and even when it's uncomfortable, and even when it's not on our time, he has a plan. And we have to trust in his plan. Because ultimately his plan is that we are going to be with him, correct? We are going to be with Jesus one day. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have committed your life to him, you will see him in glory one day. That is his ultimate plan for us. But while we're here on earth, we have questions and we wonder. And I don't know why God does what he does. But I'm so thankful that he sent us a mediator. I'm so thankful that that bridge that, that is between us and God because of sin, because of sin of humanity, because the fall of man, thanks Adam and Eve, right? You know, like everyone wants to blame Eve, but you know what? Adam was just, he was in on it just as much as Eve was. And so she started it, yes, but it, it still happened. And we're still fallen and we still need a savior. And so in 1 Timothy, we see this. That there is one God, there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. There's one. There's one, and it's Jesus. And God sent him to us in a physical form. God could do whatever he wanted. Like, we, we clearly see that as you read through Genesis. You can see that he created the heavens and the earth. He created the stars and the sky. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing the creativity that he has and the creativity that, that, that who God is. And, and, I mean, my gosh, he created Andy, and that is, that's weird and crazy. I'm just kidding, Andy. I like to, we like to pick on him because, Phil, it's getting old, you know. Not Phil's getting old, but it's getting old picking on Phil. <laughs> You're not old, Phil. You're just well-aged. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but God is such a creative God. He could have done it anyway, but he chose to become a human. He chose to do it in human form. He chose to bridge that gap between, between God and humanity because I truly believe that it creating Adam and Eve, knowing what was going to happen, knowing that he was going to have to give his own son, but yet he still did it. And then knowing in his heart just be so burdened for what they did and how far apart they were from him. Can you imagine that with your children? Just like you want, whether you have a close relationship with them or not, like, as, as a good parent, as a loving, as a godly parent, you want a relationship with your child. And when it gets pulled away or when it's ripped away for whatever reason, maybe that's their decision. I don't know what it was, but it hurts. And it's not fun. And you don't like it, right? 
And so when, you, when God saw that, it hurt. And he's burdened for humanity. And he sees this and he sees it going on and going on over time and over time again. And he says, enough is enough. My people have to get to me. I love my kids so much. They have to have a way to get to me. And that is through Jesus Christ. He gave us a bridge to get to him. It's like you see, if you can imagine God on one side of a mountain and you're on the other side and you're just, I need to get to you, God. And God says, yes, come to me. Then he puts a bridge. The bridge, the gap is Jesus, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God's physical touch for us is in the form of Jesus. And it's funny because we don't always think about that. God does things weird, and and it's not always normal what we think, and sometimes it's out of the box. And in Matthew 1, 22 through 23, it says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. For whatever reason, God chose Jesus. God chose to be in a a human form and to send Jesus to us. And the funny thing is, is um, when you read about this story, and, and you read about everybody waiting for a Savior, like this is not the first thing that they thought of. They did not think of a Virgin Mary being the mother of, of their Savior, the mother of their King. Like most people in the Bible times thought it was going to be an actual kingdom. I mean, why did the Pharisees have such a hard time with Jesus? Because he was not what they expected, right? Jesus was not what they expected, and, and, and he does things that we may not expect that he's going to do. And we have to accept that, that even though it may not be on our time, God is the holder of all time, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And so we see that, that Jesus is God in human form, and that Jesus was sent to us as a baby boy, born to a virgin in a town that nobody liked. It was not the place for a king. It was not the place for a king. No one expected anything good to come out of Nazareth. No one expected that. But yet, it happened. And it's, Ryan says this all the time, but he says the kingdom of Jesus is an upside down and backwards kingdom. It doesn't make sense doesn't make sense some of the things that he does. It's upside down, it's backwards. Well, how is that? The Bible talks about the last shall be first. The Bible talks about us being servants. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. It's backwards, it's upside down. Even the disciples said that, God, I'm not worthy for you to touch my feet. And Jesus still did it because it's backwards and it's upside down. We are nothing great. We are nothing great. But in the kingdom of God, we have to serve. If you're in the kingdom of God, you are a servant. 
that means that you do things that you may not want to do. It's backwards, it's upside down, but God calls us to be servants. He calls us to do the things that most people don't want to do. He calls us to be obedient when it's, when it's hard to be obedient. He calls us to bless those that persecute us. It is hard to bless somebody when they hate you, right? That is hard. But you're in an upside-down, backwards kingdom. You are a servant of Jesus, which means you are a servant to that person to show the love of Jesus. It doesn't all make sense when you have to turn the other cheek. It doesn't all make sense when everything, when, when God wants you to do something that goes against your, your fleshly desires or in, in, in regular terms, what your human desires. You know, if God says, hey, go give someone 20 bucks. God, I'm struggling right now. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. But God will bless you for it because it's called obedience. So when everything seems to be upside down and backwards, it's kind of funny because God will ask us to do things that we, don't, that we wouldn't normally do or things that are hard. And, and at the time it may seem hard, but after it happens and after you do it, you feel so much peace. It's, it's hard to explain because God is a God of peace. He is a God of joy. He is a God of life. He is a God of faithfulness. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus is the bridge that connects us to God. He is God in human form. And he's God's physical touch for humanity. And so whenever he asks us to do something, whether we like it or not, we have to understand that he knows better. He knows better than what we do. And we have to trust him on that. So since we talked about God being, um, we just talked about God being, the, uh, God sending the physical touch in the form of Jesus. Now, the third thing and the final thought I'm going to leave you with is Jesus' touch brings results. Jesus' touch brings results. So we see that, that God's, God sends Jesus, and we just talked all about him and who he is and the type of person that he is. And we see that this point, I think, is so powerful. I was actually um, running around our neighborhood, not like a crazy person, like for exercise. Um, and, and I was listening to a song. And all of a sudden, the Lord started downloading this message in my head. And I started writing. I stopped and I started writing it down. And I, and I got to this point and I thought, man, how powerful is that? How powerful is the fact that Jesus' touch brings results? Just like, you know, when you have a person that has, that is a physical touch, like um, one day Ryan was having a really hard time after his mom passed and he was just sobbing. And, um, and I, I didn't know what to do because, you know, I've not seen my husband break down like that. I've not seen, I mean, he normally doesn't have breakdowns. Um, to you guys' comfort, he normally doesn't have breakdowns, but this was such a, a, a trying time, and it was so new, and, and so I didn't know what to do, 
I mean, I'm like, how, how, how do you comfort someone who is going through so much um, turmoil and, and sadness? And so I just went in and I put my hand on his back and I just sat there in silence. I could have said something, you know, very profound like I normally do. I don't say much profoundness because that's not even a word. But I, I sat there and I just put my hand on his back. And, and later he told me, you don't know how much that meant to me. And to me, I was like, what do I do? I guess I'll just rub his back. I don't know. You know, like to me it was kind of like awkward. Like should I say something? Should I not say something? Like, Lord, what do I do? And I just, I just, I was silent because I didn't know what else to do. And, um, but to him, that was all he needed. He didn't need me to say anything. I probably would have messed it up anyways. But he didn't need me to say anything. He didn't need me to comfort him. He just needed a touch because that's, that's how he gets ministered to. That's how he gets love. And so when I thought about this, this last thought, Jesus' touch brings results. I thought about in Luke 8, 43 and 46, and the woman with the issue of blood. It says, a woman in a crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she, found, she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me. I felt healing power go from me. What? Think about that verse. Think about the power that is behind that verse. Think about the fact that Jesus healed someone unintentionally. All they had to do was to find him and to touch him. All they had to do is want to go to him. And he said he felt the power leave him. Why? Because the physical touch of Jesus brings results. This woman, she found no cure. No doctor could help her. Everybody thought she was probably crazy. You know, she's just the woman that, that has this issue. And she'll probably die from it. But she knew that there was something different about Jesus. And she knew if I could just get to him, he could heal me. And, and I mean, Peter was right probably the first time in a long time had been right but he said Lord everyone is around you people are touching you all the time if you're in a big crowd you know if you're at a concert or you're in a big crowd or whatever and people just touch you and and or uh, I hit people with my purse all the time in stores you know like I noticed that I touched them and but everyone was touching around Jesus everyone was crowding around him and then he didn't feel the power when, when just, you know, 
random people were touching him and pushing up against him and probably, you know, crying out to him and, and asking him to be healed. But the one person that he did feel something with was the one person that knew she had to get to him. He knew immediately that someone had touched him. He said, someone deliberately touched me. I felt the power, the power go from me. And you know what? She didn't even touch him like human form. She touched the hem of his garment. Why? Because Jesus' touch brings results. And I think that this woman, man, to have been there and to witness the power behind that moment, the power behind what happened there, I would have loved to actually talk to her because I would have loved to hear the faith that she had because she had to have so much faith to get through this massive crowd. She was so desperate. 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of no answers, 12 years of being told, we don't know what's wrong with you. 12 years of God, why aren't you healing me? 12 years of probably trying everything that she could possibly try. And then she said, he can do it. He can do it. And I just have to get to him. And her faith led to her healing. Her faith led to her healing. And I know that God brings healing in so many different ways. And I know that Jesus' touch is so... It's, it's characterized by each individual. I truly believe that. Because when we touch Jesus and we seek him and we ask him for something, it's to our own specific needs or, or we're seeking after the specific need of somebody else. And I truly believe that God is such a personal and physical God that he answers us in the way that we need him to answer, even if we don't know that we need him to answer in that way. But it's such a powerful thing to know that his touch brings results. When you are around Jesus, he will rub off on you. When you are around him, you will experience his healing power in one way or another. Because you cannot be with the God who created everything and not be changed. You cannot truly give your life to Jesus and not have some characteristics that he has. Jesus' touch brings results mentally, physically, and spiritually. I don't want to forget, you know, when we think about his touch and, and just reading here in Matthew earlier, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Luke earlier about the woman with the issue of blood. Obviously, that was a physical healing. That was something that needed to take place physically. But there's so much more that he can do. It's not just physically. It's mentally. It's spiritually. Because when you're with him, he will give you results 
It may not be when you want it to be, but it will happen. In Matthew 4, 23 and 24, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. The people soon began bringing him all who were sick, whether their sickness or disease, whatever, and whatever their sickness or disease. And if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them. He heals physically the woman with the issue of blood. A physical healing. She stopped bleeding. She was whole. She was made new. He heals spiritually demon-possessed people. A, a, a manifestation that had taken over someone's being. Multiple times Jesus healed demon-possessed. Multiple times. It's not out of his realm. He still does it today. He still needs to be done today because it is a spiritual battle. Spiritually, he healed them. And then mentally, epileptic. Epileptic is not just, it's, it's a mind. It's something with, to do with the mind. It's a mind illness. He healed it. He healed it says he healed them all. This is the Jesus that we are about to celebrate in a few days. I mean, yes, we're going to celebrate him as a baby and thank God for him being born. But don't forget the man that he turns into. This is the Jesus that we are about to sit with family and hopefully talk about because we know you know we have such a, a wonderful perspective and the fact of that we're born at this time because we can see the whole story come together right we can see the whole story come together we can see Jesus being born and then we can see the man that he is he healed them all there is a reason that God is such a physical God and I truly believe it's verses like these throughout the Bible that we get the glimpse of God being a physical God, God being a hands-on Father, God being somebody, uh, God being a God who knows what we need and the time that we need it. Jesus is more than something we celebrate once a year, and you guys know that. You know that He is He is to be lifted up every single day. But it's so, so often we forget about the Jesus that was born and the Jesus that he becomes. And we celebrate him during Easter and everything that had happened because he is no longer dead. He is alive. He is living. And it's such an amazing thing. But we get such a unique perspective in the next week to see him being born and to see and to watch and to read the story of the man of Jesus, who he becomes, and, and what God intended him to be for us. Matthew 1, 23. We've been saying this the last couple of weeks, but it is so true, and it's even more true today. And as we come into this season, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She, has, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
we are about to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. Let that be a household name, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. The other day, Sky came into my room and she said, Mommy, do you know our neighbor's name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us? I said, yes, honey, I do. I do know that. That is awesome. They also have a dog named Whiskey, and Peyton was out there yelling, I want whiskey! I want whiskey! He wanted to pet their dog. But Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? But he's so much more than that. Jesus is the reason for every season. He is the reason for every season that we go through. He is the reason that we are here today. He is the reason why you have freedom. He is the reason why one day you will be with him if you believe in him. We're going to take communion in just a few moments. And I want to take it. We don't normally do this. We, um, we normally take it individually. But I want to take it together as a congregation to celebrate normally communion is something that you definitely do on Easter or around Easter because it's celebrating, um, it's it's remembering the, the body of Christ, his blood, or how he was bruised and beaten for us, and it's remembering his blood. But I think it's very fitting to do it today because even though we are celebrating his birth, just a few months we're going to celebrate his death, but it doesn't change anything in between. He's still the same God. But for the time being, I would like everyone to just bow their heads because I know that in at this time, it's hard for some people. I know that this time, it's hard to find joy. And, and, and you may have turmoil in your soul of not knowing, okay, I don't really know, quite know who Jesus is, or I don't know, I don't know if I believe everything that he's done for me. But I want us to have an opportunity before we take communion, because we believe in open communion. You can take communion. You don't have to be part of our church, but you do need to be a part of the body of Christ. And, and I want us to have an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus, and obviously you may know what Christmas is about, but you've never truly experienced the physical touch of God, the physical touch of, of having Jesus in your heart. We want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And I'm not going to ask for, for raising your hands or anything like that. I want everyone to repeat this prayer. Whether you know Jesus or you want to know him, I'm not going to force you to say it. I'm not going to come up to your mouth with the microphone and say, say this, because it has to be something that you personally want to do. It has to be something that you say, you know what? I'm tired of living my life for me. I'm tired of not having peace. I'm tired of not having joy. And I just need something different. That's God. He's the difference. He's the peace. He's the joy. He's the rock in our lives when things don't go the way that we think they should go. He's it. 
And if you want to receive it, I ask that you just say this prayer and you mean it in your heart. And we would love to talk to you about it and, and give you practical ways to walk through what it means to be a Christian, what it means to truly live your life for Jesus, because it's hard. We don't have it all per all together. We sin constantly. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you and say that it is a walk in the park. It is hard, but it is so much easier when you have Jesus. We're going to pray, and then we're going to take communion. But if you will, repeat after me, God, thank you for your son. Thank you for bankrupting heaven to send us your one and only son. I know I am in need of a savior. And I ask you to please fill my heart Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And I promise to live my days for you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.